Welcome to The Legal Lowdown. I'm your host, Diana Baudet, and joining me today is Massachusetts litigation attorney, Kevin Hensley, to talk about insurance basics for small businesses. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Diana. Glad to be here. So what will we be covering today? Well, I want to talk about the basic types of insurance that are available to small business because there are more types than a lot of business owners might realize. I'll talk about some general tips to try to avoid disputes about insurance, since those can be costly. And for the most part, what I'm going to be talking about is geared towards small businesses who don't have a legal department or a dedicated risk management team, the business owner who more or less takes on the responsibility of insurance coverage themselves won't be able to cover everything because it's a fairly complex topic and there are always issues that can come up that are difficult to foresee or are obscure, but I'll at least try to give an overview so that a small business owner can get the general lie of the land for insurance coverage. Okay, that sounds great. Um, So generally, what types of insurance should small businesses be looking for? I'd say there are three categories that every business owner needs to be aware of. Property insurance, liability insurance, and workers' compensation. So those are the three main categories I'll try to cover today. The easiest of these is probably property insurance. I think everyone has a general understanding of how that works. Your personal property, your furniture, your computers, your business equipment, and also real estate, if you are a business that owns its own building, are the types of property that are covered by property insurance. The basic risks that property insurance covers are things like fire, lightning, wind, hail, and vandalism. Basic property insurance covers only those risks. Now, obviously, there are a lot of things that can happen to damage property other than that. And it's important to understand that your property insurance won't necessarily cover all risks. One good example of this is flooding. Most property insurance will not cover floods. So if there's a big rainstorm, if you're in a low-lying area, and if water gets into the basement and damages your property, most property insurance won't cover that unless you have made arrangements to have flood insurance. So it's really important to have a conversation with your insurance agent about exactly which risks are covered by your property insurance. There are optional coverages that can increase the protection that you have, but obviously it costs more. So you wanna try to strike a balance between keeping your premiums under control and having the most comprehensive coverage that you can based on the sort of property that you own and the location of your business. Now, one other part of property insurance that I think a lot of people might not be aware of is that if you have a covered loss, let's say there's a fire and you've lost your furniture um, and you've lost your computers and your business equipment, there are two different ways that the insurance company might cover that loss. One is called actual cash value, sometimes referred to as ACV. 
And if all you have is actual cash value coverage, you're not going to be paid to replace the property that was damaged. What the insurance company is going to pay you is the value of your property on a fair market value basis. So if you have furniture in your office that's 10 years old, and maybe it cost $5,000 when you bought it 10 years ago, the insurance company is going to take depreciation on that property. It's 10 years old. It might only be worth $2,000. And that's the most you're going to get is the $2,000. And the rest of the replacement cost has to come out of your own pocket. By contrast, you can pay extra for replacement cost coverage. And if you have this, your insurance company will reimburse you for the cost to replace your property. And to be honest, this is what most businesses would want. Um, Really, you expect when there's a loss that you're going to be able to replace the property that was damaged. And most businesses will opt for replacement cost coverage to avoid those big out-of-pocket losses. And those are the basics for property insurance uh, for small businesses. Okay. Um, So that last point, it seems like a very important distinction. Do you have a loose sense of how much more the RCV is than the actual cash value would be? How much the difference in that coverage would be? Is that significant? Sure. It's actually less significant than you might think, considering the additional coverage that you get. Your premiums, of course, will depend on the size of your business, the amount of property that you own. But generally speaking, the additional cost for replacement value coverage is well worth it. Mm -hmm. And my sense is that most businesses elect that coverage. Okay, that's great advice. And then I just have one last question on property insurance. If you are leasing or subleasing, rather than owning the space that you're in, if you're under a lease or a sublease for that space, do you have to acquire any kind of additional property insurance, or should you expect that the owner of the lease that you're leasing from takes care of that side of the insurance? So your landlord will be responsible for insuring the building that you rent. And that typically means the floors, the walls, the structure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it would just be the business owner's responsibility to insure its own personal property. Okay. So your landlord isn't going to cover you for your computers and your furniture. You've got to be sure to have property insurance in place for those items of personal property. Okay. With the pandemic, a lot of businesses have had to shut down and have sustained big losses. Can property or has property insurance helped in those losses? Well, sure. It's true that business interruption insurance is available. Uh, It's generally an add-on to property insurance. A basic property insurance policy won't include this. And business interruption insurance is designed to replace the revenues that you lose if your business has to shut down. Unfortunately, in the case of the pandemic, business interruption insurance is not going to be much help. And we know this because it has been tested out recently in a number of court decisions. Not surprisingly, uh, restaurants are sort of ground zero for this particular issue. 
and restaurants that have had to shut down for the pandemic have put in claims with their insurers for business interruption coverage. They almost universally have been denied for this reason. Business interruption insurance kicks in if there is a direct physical loss to your property. In other words, if you have a fire and you have to shut down your restaurant, business interruption coverage will reimburse you for your lost revenues. Uh, if you've had a lightning strike or any other physical loss, you'll be covered. But the pandemic didn't really involve any physical damage. Uh, businesses had to shut down because the government ordered them to. And insurers have taken the position that that's outside the scope of business interruption coverage and courts, for the most part, have agreed with them. So it's been a bit of a wake-up call for some businesses who I think assume they might have been covered. And it's sort of a lesson in how important it is to understand the extent of the coverage that you have. There's really no way to do that other than reading the policy and talking to your agent. And admittedly, sometimes there are gray areas where it's actually hard to know if you're covered. That's when the courts have to step in. But in the case of the pandemic, we know that because there are no direct physical losses to property, business interruption insurance is probably not going to kick in. It's still worth having, Diana. Um, and, you know, for all those other kinds of losses that are covered, business interruption insurance can be a lifesaver. If your business is shut down for a few months because of a covered loss, like a fire, uh, it can really be the difference between survival and bankruptcy. So it's worth discussing with your agent, and it is oftentimes worth paying for business interruption insurance. Okay. I'm sure you have a crystal ball in your office. Do you think a form of insurance will come out that addresses shutdowns in the future? In the case of pandemics, I doubt it. Okay. Um, I think insurers look around and see the magnitude of the losses that businesses have sustained. Yeah. And I think they would be very reluctant to cover shutdowns due to a viral pandemic. Um, there might be specialty insurers that would consider risks like that, but I'm guessing it would be very expensive. Yeah. So... My best guess is pandemics and business shutdowns are probably going to remain the risk of the business owner. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned liability insurance as the second type. What is this designed to do? So unlike property insurance, I think liability insurance is something that business owners might not have as good an understanding of. Um, basically, liability insurance protects you against the risk of being sued. So it's not your own property that's at risk, it's your financial assets, the risk that someone might sue you, get a judgment, and you'd have to pay that judgment. And you know, you'd like to think as a small business that you can avoid that risk if you operate your business carefully and conscientiously, that you'll never get sued. And while that may be the case, uh, statistics show that it's a lot more common than you think. The Small Business Administration estimates that in any given year, 35 to 50% of small businesses will face litigation, 
either a claim or an actual lawsuit. And so liability insurance, quite candidly, is indispensable for a small business. It is far too risky to operate without liability insurance in place because a single claim can can wipe out a small business. So it's crucial to have, and liability insurance is designed to kick in just in these circumstances when you've got a claim or a lawsuit, and it'll protect you against potentially catastrophic losses. There's really two main benefits to liability insurance. And again, these are things that a business owner might not necessarily think of. The first benefit is protection against legal costs. Liability insurance not only protects you against a judgment, in other words, you go to court and you lose, the liability insurance pays for that, but it pays for your legal bills as well. Uh, If you get sued, your liability insurer will hire a lawyer to defend your business. And in a lot of cases, the legal costs can be more crippling than the risk that you face from the lawsuit itself. Uh, A relatively small claim can involve thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. So the kind of hidden benefit of liability insurance is you don't have to pay for your own lawyer. Your insurance company is going to take care of that. And then the second benefit, of course, as I mentioned, is if unfortunately you get sued, you go to court and you lose, your insurance company covers that judgment. So there's two potentially huge costs that liability insurance can protect a small business against. Okay. Okay. So I know I have two small business owners listening right now, actually, between the owner of this studio and a consultant that we work with. So do they just need to ask for liability insurance? How does that work? What's the basics of going to your agent and talking this through? Sure. Um, If you just asked for liability insurance, uh, it probably wouldn't be adequate to fully protect your business. Um, There are a lot of different kinds of liability insurance. And while they all have this common feature that they're designed to protect you against being sued, there are different kinds of lawsuits that different kinds of insurance protect against. Now, we won't have time to talk about all of these, Diana. There are dozens of specialty types of liability insurance, but I do want to at least cover the basics. And by far the most common and most important sort of protection is called general liability insurance, sometimes called commercial general liability insurance or CGL. The key to general liability insurance is that it covers sort of your most basic common risks of getting sued. And and I'll give you a a few examples. If you own a business and you've got an office where customers visit and they slip and fall on their way into your business, general liability insurance covers that kind of risk. Um, Let's say you're a construction company and on a construction site, one of your employees drops a hammer and falls on the head of a pedestrian walking by. That's a sort of general liability risk that general liability insurance or a CGL policy covers. And it's the most basic sort of liability protection. And 
uh, every business needs to have at least this general liability coverage. But what's equally important to understand is that there are a lot of types of accidents that are excluded from general liability insurance. And let me just give you some examples. Uh, automobile accidents aren't covered. Uh, if one of your employees or if you get into a car accident, uh, that's going to be outside the scope of your general liability policy. Professional liability claims aren't covered. And while this is one of those gray areas I mentioned earlier, basically, um, if your business offers professional services, if you are an engineer, a doctor, a psychiatrist, those risks that come out of your professional services won't be covered by your general liability policy. So as a doctor being sued for malpractice, you'll need a different kind of policy for that. Uh, an engineer who provides engineering services is going to need a different kind of policy called a professional services policy. Uh, so that's another exclusion. A couple other examples, um, serving alcohol uh, typically isn't covered. If, if you run a bar and you overserve someone and they cause a car accident, your general liability policy isn't going to cover that. And then finally, uh, injuries to employees are not covered by general liability insurance. We'll talk about that a bit more in a minute. Okay. But if you've got an employee on the job and they fall and get injured, um, your general liability policy won't cover that risk. You know, there are a few other things. And as I said, the, the, the list of exclusions is long and we're not covering them all here. Mm -hmm. But one other exclusion I want to mention is particularly applicable to contractors, construction businesses. And it's something that uh, is often misunderstood. If you're a contractor and you're building a house and you do a bad job, you know, you use the wrong kind of screws and a header supporting the floor falls out and the property owner has to replace that and sues you, your liability policy isn't going to cover that. It doesn't cover bad workmanship. Okay. And for a contractor, that's important to understand. You're going to have to take care of that expense yourself, repairing the bad workmanship. On the other hand, if your bad workmanship causes some additional damage, if when the floor falls, it breaks an expensive 18th century vase that the property owner happened to have, that will be covered. So as a contractor, it's important to understand the difference between bad workmanship, which isn't covered, mm -hmm. and damages caused by your bad workmanship, which will be covered. So that's just some general illustrations of general liability insurance, the types of risks that it covers, and the types of risks that it doesn't cover. Okay. So Kevin, um, for the general liability coverage, how much does a small business owner need? What does that look like? So, you know, it obviously depends on the size of your business and the scope of your customer base. Certainly, a million dollars in liability coverage should be considered the minimum. Okay. I see that a million dollars is really very standard for a lot of small businesses. And what that means is generally for any one accident, the most that your insurance company will pay is a million dollars. 
Now, obviously, there's the potential for losses larger than that. But I think a lot of small businesses feel that balancing the premiums they have to pay with the protection they want, a million dollars is the correct amount. You know, it's important to talk to your agent about this and at least get your agent to quote you prices for additional coverage. You can get $2 million, $5 million, and with excess or umbrella coverage, even more than that. So find out how much the extra premium is. You may find out that it's not as much as you think and that it might make sense to have even more than a million dollars. But that should be a minimum and and most small businesses have at least that amount. Okay. So you mentioned some exclusions on the general liability coverage. Um, would you advise or or is it typical that a business would... Um, purchase the general liability insurance and then add to it some of those exclusions as an additional form of insurance? You know, are there additional types of liability insurance? Sure. Yes. And, And that's exactly right, Diana. For a lot of those exclusions that I mentioned, coverage is available at an additional cost to fill in those gaps. Big example is automobile accidents. If your business has vehicles, trucks, cars, you have to obviously be aware that an auto accident could happen. And so that coverage is called business auto. You know, it's contrasted with your personal auto policy, which you have for your own vehicle. Uh, Your business auto will cover accidents arising out of your business vehicles, your trucks, your business fleet. And so business auto insurance is a must um, if that's something that you have. If you're a bar or a restaurant, you'll need liquor liability insurance Mm -hmm. uh, because while businesses do everything they can to avoid over-serving, it can happen. Accidents can happen from patrons who have had too much to drink, and you need liquor liability insurance to fill that gap. And then, as I mentioned, if you are a profession, doctor, lawyer, psychiatrist, engineer, architect, you'll need professional liability insurance to cover claims that might arise out of your professional services. One uh, area of insurance, liability insurance, that's come to the fore in the last few years, Diana, which nobody thought about 20 years ago, is cyber liability and data breach insurance. Mm, If your company maintains databases that have customer information, Mm -hmm. particularly sensitive information like social security numbers, dates of birth, we're all aware of the risk that your system might be hacked, that proprietary or confidential information might be breached. And of course, you could get sued for that. Mm -hmm. That's not covered by your general liability insurance and policies are available to cover that risk as well. So again, it depends on the kind of business that you operate. But if you have a substantial risk of a data breach, you should talk to your agent about cyber liability and data breach insurance. And then the last one I'll mention, Diana, which is also becoming increasingly important, is called EPLI, or Employment Practices Liability Insurance. Mm -hmm. It's an unfortunate fact of life that uh, businesses get sued by their employees, and they get sued for things like employment discrimination, your general liability policy won't cover that. 
And to avoid having to hire your own lawyer and face the risk of a judgment, EPLI or Employment Practices Liability Insurance is available. And um, if you've got a lot of employees, uh, it is also worth having. Okay. So those are just some examples. That does cover an awful lot of the risks that are out there, but there are others. And again, you'll need to talk to your insurance agent about them. Okay. So Kevin, speaking of employees, the last type of insurance coverage you mentioned, the third, was workers' compensation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. You know, most business owners who have employees probably are aware of this, but if you're not, uh, it's certainly important to understand this issue. Workers' compensation insurance is mandatory if you have employees, and a business is subject to pretty severe penalties if you don't have it. The way the system works is this. If your employee is injured on the job, your employee can't sue you at least in most circumstances. Mm -hmm. The trade-off is that the employee will be covered by your workers' compensation insurance. They don't have to show that you were negligent. They don't have to prove a case. Just the fact that they were hurt on the job means that they're entitled to workers' compensation coverage. So it's uh, supposed to be a way to avoid big litigation expenses. The idea was that employees would trade their rights to sue in exchange for a relatively certain recovery in the event of workplace injuries, like so many things in theory is often different than in practice, and workers' compensation claims often do wind up in litigation. Mm -hmm. But the insurance that you have, that you're required to have, will protect you your workers' compensation insurer will manage any workers' compensation claims, will settle them, will pay them. And as I said, because it's required, uh, don't even think about going without workers' compensation insurance if you have employees. It's, it's essential and mandatory. Okay. And that's any number of employees. You could have one person and that, you need yep, it. Yep. Okay. one. You need to have that policy. Okay. So this is obviously a very complicated topic. How does a small business owner even begin to navigate all of this? It sounds like it's a job in and of itself. Yeah, and I have a lot of sympathy for small business owners who, you know, are are working 60 hours a week just trying to keep their business afloat and managing 100 different problems a day. Insurance on top of that can seem overwhelming. There are a couple of things to know. So there is what's called a business owner's policy or a BOP policy, which combines basic liability and property coverages. It, it doesn't provide everything that we've talked about. You'll still have to buy separate policies for some risks, but the BOP policy does simplify the process somewhat by combining a lot of the basic liability and property coverage, and it usually will include business interruption insurance as well. The second key thing that I can offer a small business owner is to find and use a good insurance agent. Um, as you mentioned, Diana, you, you really can't expect a small business owner to be an insurance expert, mm -hmm. but that's what a good insurance agent is supposed to do. You need someone experienced with business insurance, not just homeowners insurance. Business insurance is far more complex. 
you need to find someone with a good reputation and preferably many years of experience in the field. It's worth asking around other business owners that you know to find someone that they've had a good experience with. And a good insurance agent is really the lifeline for a small business owner to manage the risks, to talk about changes in their business and changes in their insurance needs. And then if there's a claim, to have someone to go to, to help navigate that process. So consider a business owner's policy and by all means, find a good, reliable insurance agent to work with. Okay. And are, are there any that you know of resources for where you can go look for an insurance agent? Well, of course, all insurance agencies advertise on the internet, mm-hmm. but their advertisements are going to be not particularly helpful. <laughs> right. All of them will be touting their abilities. I mean, the websites for agencies can at least give you some information about the scope of services they provide. You can make sure that they do specialize in business insurance. You can get a sense of how long they've been in business. But I really think there's no substitute for asking around and finding what experiences other business owners have had and getting recommendations and references, I think, is indispensable. Okay. Okay, great. Any final tips for listeners? Sure. Uh, Even with a really good insurance agent, things can go wrong. Uh, There can be miscommunication. Agents can make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes can be costly. I always suggest that you keep your communications with your agent in writing. Um, If not an email, keep notes of any phone calls that you have with your agent. So that, for example, if you've asked for a certain kind of insurance, and if the agent, for whatever reason, neglected to get that type of insurance, you'd have a record of the request that you made. And the agent should step in and take responsibility for that failure. And if you have it in writing, it's just all the more likely that that's going to happen. I also recommend that you read your policy and take notes and ask questions of your agent for things that you don't understand. And I admit, this can be a daunting task. Uh, A business owner's policy or bot policy, like we mentioned before, can be 100 pages or more. And, And I understand that it's pretty hard for a small business owner to take the time to do that. But at least get a basic understanding of what's in your policy and ask any questions about issues that jump out at you that you might not understand. And then finally, Diana, while we all hope this never happens, if something happens that looks like it might result in a claim against you, um, you know, there's an accident on your property or your employee is in a car accident, don't wait for the lawsuit. Notify your agent right away. Do it in writing. Tell them what happened. Because if you delay, an insurance company might take the position that, well, you didn't tell us about this fast enough, so we're not going to cover this loss. So in the unfortunate event that something happens, let your agent know right away and do that in writing, just as I think all your communications should be in writing. And email, obviously the easiest way to do that. We all hope that won't happen. 
And if it does, though, and if you've got insurance in place, as we've discussed here today, your business won't be at risk. It'll be a problem. It'll be one more issue you have to deal with. But at least the financial stability of your business won't be jeopardized. And bottom line, Diana, that's what small business insurance is for. Okay. Wow. This has been chock full of really great information, Kevin. So thank you so much for talking today. I appreciate it. And I'm sure our small business owners who have listened to this appreciate it as well. It's a lot of great information. So thank you. My pleasure, Diana. For more information about Kevin or business insurance legal issues, please visit our website at www.bglaw.com or follow us on social media by searching Barton Gilman. Thank you. The content provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal advice or to form an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to seek legal advice from a Barton Gilman attorney, please visit us at www.bglaw.com or call 888-273-9903 for more information. Barton Gilman serves clients throughout the Northeast with offices in Boston, Providence, New York, and Philadelphia, offering legal services in a wide variety of matters, including medical and other professional liability defense, premises liability and business litigation, education law, employment law, family law, insurance coverage, trust and estates, criminal defense, corporate formation, and intellectual property. The firm and its attorneys have received numerous awards and accolades, including Best Lawyers, Best Law Firms, Best Places to Work Rhode Island, Outstanding Philanthropic Business, The Common Good Award, and Super Lawyers. For more information about Barton Gilman, please visit our website at www.bglaw.com or call us toll-free at 888-273-9903.